Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, uh, Michael Fearon, and we thought we'd have a discussion on building skills uh, during times of recession or economic downturn. So how are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic as, as always. So so we're not officially in a recession right now, but there's a lot of talk about, well, it's definitely a low point in, in the market right now. So in, in any times, not even just in low market times, it's always good to be kind of a lifelong learner and, and continuously uh, keeping up your skills. We want to talk a specifically about like during this time, let's take an opportunity to build your skills and capitalize on that. So um, as, as we were kind of building the outline for, for, for the show, we want to talk a little bit about uh, planning your strategy. So uh, for, for first, one of the things that we want to uh, be mindful of is what skills are we actually referring to? Um, so, so and, and, and uh, calling that out. So what would be some of the, the categories of skills that we would want to develop uh, during a recession or any time? Well, um, I think during any time, I, I know right now there's lots of talks about recession and, you know, slowdowns and, uh, there's lots of fear in the world. Um, and because of that, I think it's always a good time to look at what you have. And you, mm. you have all sorts of skills. You have both your uh, soft skills, uh, just how you communicate and talk to people and interact. You have your hard skills, I guess I'd say, or your technical skills. So things that you've learned, um, ability to work with different software, different tools. And then um, beyond that as well, you have just your life skills. Uh, you, People underestimate how much just life teaches you all kinds of management skills and all kinds of other skills that you wouldn't necessarily think of, but are really useful um, at any time during your career or at any point during your career. And, sure. oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Always the internet delays. Um, and as you move between different roles and as you transition to roles or and as you look for new things, I, I think it's really uh, helpful to just uh, look back at... Um, all the things that you have accomplished and all the skills that you do have and make a basket of it. Just have a collection of skills that you can use for different kinds of uh, jobs, applications or different kind of uh, opportunities that you're looking for. For sure. So, so what I'm hearing is, is basically as you plan your strategy is get an understanding of, of which types of skills or what skills you want to develop. So you mentioned the, the hard and the technical skills. So a lot of uh, boot camps and micro credentials or online courses can help you with learning how to code or like AI machine learning, cybersecurity or, or what have you, right? All those technical skills. But that's uh, not to be uh, encompassed or, or eclipsed by like soft skills where like, are you an effective communicator? Are you good at time management, building relationships or things like that? And and I think that the life skills is one, well, are there soft skills or life skills? I, I bucket life skills as things like uh, are you uh, healthy physically? Like, are you eating right? Are you sleeping? <laughs> are, are, are you uh, exercising? That sort of stuff. Because when those things don't get taken care of, then a whole bunch of other things. And obviously there's there's a whole mindset game where like, are, are you like meditating and mindful and all that sort of stuff? There's a whole bunch of things. So it's a matter of, of, of chronicle and inventory. Which one do you want to focus on? And you could probably do them all, but probably not at the same time, right? So you might want to pick one or two things to, to, to focus on at any given time. And I think what you said is important about uh, having that basket of skills. And uh, I think we talked about calling it like auditing your skills, like and yeah. with all the things that you want, uh, what do you already have? And maybe you want to get to uh, a seven out of 10 at any of them, eight out of 10 at any of them. But are you a zero or are you a five, right? How far are you on the spectrum? 
to do that. So I think that that's a, a, great, a great thought. Yeah, I do really think that uh, you have to really, you have to kind of know yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to know where you are to figure out where you're going. Uh, you yeah. can't just pick a direction and kind of just run off because you, you don't necessarily grab the skill or you don't necessarily put the practice in, I, I like to say, or do the hours towards uh, getting those um, kind of requirements that will bump you to where you want to be. Um, I, I really think about it from the sense of audience skills. I tend to be not a great network person. Um, put me in a room and sometimes I'll perform amazingly and find, hit it off great. And other times it's, it's not my vibe. Um, because of that, I kind of come up with a, a really good strategy of really trying to know where do you excel and what environments give you the chance to showcase what you have. Uh, I, because you can have amazing technical skills and then be in a very social environment where you need a lot of social skills and it just won't translate or vice versa. You can be in a really, um, be a very uh, mentally sound person, very, very thoughtful, very meditative, very understanding of your environment. um, And then be put into an environment that requires a lot of technical analysis of the environment of an environmental scan or a um, very, very credential focused and that doesn't translate across, but you have to find your environment where uh, your skills and your best fit uh, allows you to jump across. So I, I think of when I transitioned between being a teacher uh, or doing my teaching degree to disaster management. Hmm. And a lot of people go like, okay, these things are very different. One, you're in a classroom teaching. I did grade, um, so high school, so grade nine through 12. So that one, bunch of, uh, young adults in a classroom, teaching them through a lesson, which they may or may not want to be with. I did history <laughs> and geography. So some people are mandatorily have to be there and some people just love it. Right. And then I jumped over to disaster management, which is um, thinking about how do we make resiliency for either a community or a, an organization or a business. And pretty much to do the two things, they look completely different, but the, there's lots of intersects. Both of them, you're doing a lot of planning. Both of them, you're thinking about communication and relationship building, whether that's with um, students in a classroom or if that's with um, a community partner. Both of those things are really building relationships. How do you talk to them? How do you um, communicate? And also I had to do technical skill training. Uh, I had to go back to school and I ended up doing a certificate at Sheridan and then going on to doing my master's in disaster management. So I had there's all the spread of activities that uh, comes along, but you can only do that if you audit yourself and figure out where am I and come up with an idea or a vision of where do I want to be? For sure. Uh, the expression know thyself uh, comes to mind. And, and there's definitely yeah. a, a benefit in understanding that because uh, what it can do is, well, definitely give you the direction where you're starting from. But also, as you mentioned, the, some of the overlaps and you actually might realize that, oh, I'm actually further than I thought because there's these other things that uh, gave me a whole bunch of skills which aren't on, on the surface directly relatable. But if I apply it in a certain context, it's, it's much more transferable. So uh, you uh, can quickly identify like the, the amount of work that you have and, and you might actually be further ahead. Um, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about as you're kind of figuring out which skills do you want so that now that you know uh, where you are, uh, how much do you kind of look into the market, new skills out there, like whatever's hot and follow the trends? Or is it just something more, do you look for like the, the future proof, the, the uh, t- tried and tested ones? Or So how much do you look at like changes in the market versus like absolutely new skills that, that you need to develop? That's a good question. Um... I'm a chronic looker for new skills. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I never stop and I never stop looking for new things. Uh, that's yeah. just a personality trait. Uh, also, from the perspective of my personal journey, from being dyslexic, I'm always looking for new tools to help me write better and write faster. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, well, modernly with, you know, we have chat uh, GBT and we have all mm -hmm. these cool tools coming out. You, you pretty much start just gathering a bunch of information to see what's out there. And what I tend to look for is the connection between things that are, don't seem to be related. Mm. So uh, a great example of this is using, I'll use a disaster management one, and then I'll use um, one from something completely unreal, uh, actually from uh, my experience in the army, actually, I'll, I'll do those two ones because it's two very different environments. And also you get to see how there's weird connections where people don't normally think about where there's lots of interesting opportunity. So. I would look at education and disasters. That's what I focused on for most of my master's program. And what I was really looking at, how do you restart education programs after you've had a disaster? That was the thing that I was always interested in. Hmm. Because pretty much if you have a disaster, your schools are wiped out, all the children and all the young adults are now at home. And now parents have to stay home to monitor and see what's going on. So one of the fastest way to re-jump a community is have engaging education programs turned back on so that everybody's uh, young adults and children are being taken care of, which enables all the remaining adults in the community to do other tasks or focus on other areas. So all of a sudden you've created people going to work out of creating an education program. It's not something that you think of as a direct connection, but that's a spin-off effect. And on the other side, um, when I, I joined the army in 2018 as a reservist. I pretty much joined as a human resource administrator. Okay. And the thing that nobody thinks of is, when they think about the army is the massive amount of human resources and financial planning that needs to go into making this massive organization work. Mm -hmm. And it's the part that is chronically understaffed because mm -hmm. nobody thinks about going into that occupation, into that profession looking at it from a perspective of HR and human capital development or from financial responsibility. So all of a sudden you can find all these interesting niches that exist in all the markets um, that are functions that are universal to all organizations, but are often under, uh, under manned or understaffed um, just because nobody thinks of going into that area from that viewpoint. So yeah. that's how I kind of look at it. I kind of go like, look around, see what's out there, experiment, try to figure out where, um, where the puck is going, not where the puck is, and try to move accordingly that way. So what I took from that is even if you're going into the market or, or trying to find skills that, that are hot because it's kind of the next buzzword or whatever, there's always some, or, or there's often some underlying uh, commonalities where the connections may not seem uh, as direct on the surface, but if you can kind of find, well, why is it hot? What can I bring to the table? And even in a, in a totally different context. And, oh, this is where uh, I add a unique value where seemingly it, it, they're unrelated, but, but I can kind of add um, my own uh, interest in there. So um, in, in lieu of focusing what, what's on hot. So it's really just personal preference, either focus on what's hot, but instead of just doing it for the sake of doing it, because you can make a lot of money, you get a job easily, look at one step below and say, okay, what are the connection points? What, what are some of the background that I can add value to it? Because that'll help you kind of stay in it more than uh, when the next fad or the next thing comes in. And then you're like, yeah. oh, I, I just spent uh, 
two years training for this thing, and then the puck moved, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then the sort of thing. it's it's you know always I kind of go by the time I hear about it in uh, people that are like in the general population as is the main thought, the puck is actually moving somewhere else. Yeah, that that's what I kind of imagine happening always. This isn't always true, um, yeah. but it's it's what I always imagine. So I always go like, okay, I see a tool that exists. I wasn't going to, I was going to pick one. Okay. Let's do ChatGPT because everybody likes talking about it and it's <laughs> trendy. This exists. Great. It's a cool database um, system that kind of pulls information that correlates it into a nice report at the end and gives you a nice template. Okay. Interesting. What's the underlying motion that's driving this? Is it um, the augmentation of people with uh, machine learning? So it's allowing us to do more critical thinking and then have templates generated so that it augments our ability. Is it a productivity thing? Or is it more about the general idea of communication? And if I wanna be on the communication sides of it, then I should really look at how is that gonna augment my work or make my work faster? If I wanna be on the developer side of it, it's going, how does it work? How do we maintain it? How do we update? Where does it pull information from? How do we vet the information? So then you see these little areas that are actually a spin up off the main thing, which everybody's looking at, look at how cool the software is, or look at how cool the AI is, not going, what are the other avenues that this affects that are opportunities for either for me to put thought towards because I'm a thoughtful person, uh, put my technical skills toward because I'm a technical person, or even, use my interpersonal skills because it becomes a sales item for like pitching it to other people. So like, that's how I try to look at and think about the future of the labor market. It's go, where is it going? What are the underlying currents? And where do I fit in that underlying current? Or where do I want right. to fit in this thing? Do I want to be on the top of the current, riding on the top of the wave? Or do I want to be swimming underneath the current? Right. Where do I want to sit? For sure. And, and what I took from that is uh, if, if you decide to go follow the current, there are still unique strengths that you can apply to it, which might be tangential above in the middle or below the current, as, as you were saying in the analogy. So, so just make sure that, that you uh, kind of pick where, where you fit best, because otherwise you're competing against other people that are going to be way better at whatever they are. Uh, so you pick, you should also uh, focus on your, your strengths and how you apply it as well. Uh, I'm wondering if you could chat a little bit about like, uh, given that everything's kind of digital, online <laughs> uh, yeah. social media is kind of huge and and we're all staying connected there uh what, what are your thoughts about like maintaining your your digital presence and uh updating keeping your resume updated and things like that uh what, what are your thoughts on that as you, um, as you build your skill set i've i've learned as time goes on updating your resume more and more is becoming just a, a, a task on its own <laughs> um a task that you just need to do I used to always go once a year, I'd review my CV. Uh, and I'm finding that in my work life, there's new performance management aspects that are coming out and new internal LinkedIn equivalents becoming a thing. Um, so I'm turning into updating my LinkedIn, my CV, and also updating my uh, performance metrics internally as well. Uh, so it's just updating and uh, documenting what you're doing and what you've done and even things that I, you might not necessarily think are things that are worth noting. It's uh, I ran a community barbecue the other day. Uh, it, 
it's documenting those skills and seeing how much value you've added to either your community, your environment, and how uh, lots of organizations would really need those skills, uh, whether it's the coordinating aspect, uh, the, the planning aspect, the managing the cost of the barbecue, the uh, people in, the people uh, interactions, the customer service aspect, or just the community uh, mobilization. There's so many aspects to it um, that I go, you nearly need to be doing at a minimum four times a year updates on just your presence. Your, your social media presence, uh, whether that's your LinkedIn or uh, other service, and also on your personal CV and your skill documentation, just because life happens so quickly now. And before you know it, you're doing so many things and you forget that you did really cool things. For sure. Uh, what I took from that is is what came to mind is the thought of kind of like, like career hygiene in the sense that when you have your annual review uh, and you have to kind of upload, update the performance management documents and things like that, well, why not take a little bit of time to update your LinkedIn, update your resume as well, um, just because it, they're all interrelated. And not just the once a year when you have to do it, but maybe once a season, every three three months, maybe once a quarter, uh, because mm -hmm. sometimes what, what you feel is significant uh, in, in a week in a month is not as significant in the in the time frame of a year or five years uh, if you decide to find a new job. So doing it consistently over time will help say, okay, yeah, this uh, company picnic that was 50 people, that still takes a lot of uh, planning to, to do. But if you looked at it five years from now, it's like, oh, it's this kind of little tiny speck <laughs> that you don't <laughs> yeah. give yourself credit to. But all those little things uh, add up over time. So I use a concept called a career document, which is almost like your super resume where you... Uh, outline all these little, like the little nitty gritties where it's not limited to like two pages as, as a resume is, but mm -hmm. really uh, inventorying all the things you, you do. And then you pick and choose in the future, which ones are, are relevant. So I think that that's great to uh, really take note of, of the things uh, of the skills that you've developed that uh, might help you uh, in the future. Um, I'd love if you if you talked a little bit about uh, expanding your network. So you mentioned that you're not a great networker sometimes, yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you are. But 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 <laughs> as as a as a skill, I, it seems like that uh, expanding your network is prob is a skill on its own that that everyone should really develop. And and part of it expanding your network. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah. Um, so I don't consider myself the greatest networker yet. Work in progress. Has <laughs> our areas. Um, only because I find I'm very environmentally dependent. So I fare better in different environments. I'm pretty good on a one-on-one uh, situation. So in which case I tend to do a lot of informationals. Either on LinkedIn, I will reach out to people in my field or um, I will reach out to my uh, region, uh, um, my immediate reports or my manager or to other contacts and have those coffee talks or have a pass by to the office to say, like, how, what's it like to do this role? What, what's involved in this? Uh, this is kind of what I'm interested in. So I do that because you put me in a crowd or some networking events where you have 200 people in a room and everybody goes like, okay, we've had a great speaker to talk. Let's uh, stand up and uh, meet your immediate neighbors. I get overwhelmed by people. <laughs> I'm just like, right. there is too much happening. Um, it's an area to work on and I'll continue working on. But what I'd say is try to pick your networking events or your networking environments that go best with your skill set and so that you can maximize the value that you can get out of it. Um, and you can um, 
maximize your ability to communicate what you're interested in, uh, what you're looking forward to going to, and also what you want to learn. So I, I always go be very clear on those concepts. And um, from that, know yourself to choose the best environment for you. Some people love the massive, um, uh, larger boardroom, larger network events because they're, they're, they like the variety. Mm -hmm. So I know some people that just like, I, I don't like doing the small ones. I kind of want to get a buffet of what's out there. So I need at least a hundred people around so I can hop around and talk to people and see where everybody's at. Um, I prefer the smaller version, but I go know where you're at and, um, just work at it and constantly just talk to people, practice your elevator pitch and uh, just have discussions. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it, it, it's a nail on the head when you said about know yourself, right? Because people are, you're good at networking. Uh, you just ha don't haven't necessarily put yourself in enough of those instances to develop that skill, right? Because I usually tell folks, it, it's not that it's hard or you're not good at it. It's just, you're just new. Right. So if you haven't had like 100 coffee uh, chats or informational mm -hmm. interviews or whatever, like how good would you be at it? Right. So the first time uh, like like you walked, right, you're falling left, right and center. Right. <laughs> and it probably after the hundredth, two hundredth time, then you got pretty decent at it. Right. That, that sort of thing. Um, and, and when you say informational, I assume you're talking about like informational interviews and having those like coffee chats, Zoom chats and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. One perspective that I've often been sharing with folks is, is to change that word because in, informational interview sounds like, well, I'm going to try to get a job from them. And, and that's not necessarily the intent. So I encourage folks to think of it as a curiosity conversation. Like Ooh, how, that's a really uh, good is, one, yeah. Yeah. So how interesting is this person? What are you curious about? What are your interests? What excites you about it? And can you tease that out of them? Because, hey, that might be something that you want to do. Hey, they might have some suggestions if you want to get into that area. So the following that curiosity is is often helpful. And as, as you said, in the environment that you like, one on one, 100 on one, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Whichever one you want to go better. for. Yeah. Or anywhere, anywhere in between. And and sometimes it's, it's a skill to develop where, I mean, I self-identify as, as an introvert and, and I, I prefer the smaller gatherings too, but I do pretty well in a large gathering just because I've trained myself uh, to, to be able to do that. Now, after that gathering, I'm spent and I, I have to brush the, the sweat off my forehead. I'm like, Phew, I need to recover. But it, it's one where if you want to, you, you can develop the skills on either side as, as well. Right. So, um, yeah. I think that, that's great. So that, that has been always my thing for like large events after I'm exhausted. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, there was too many people. Uh, I don't know. Why do people enjoy this? <laughs> I'm just in that role, which yeah. actually brings me to an interesting point, which you just reminded me of uh, a second story, um, which I think is one of the most valuable things I ever learned from any job, but I did it for actually one day. Uh, this was my one day career as a door to door salesperson. So, uh, pretty much door to door sales, everyone used to be a thing. I don't know if people still do this to go around, uh, you knock on people's door and you go, Hey, would you like to buy this product? I hated it because it involves me going out to talk to random people, um, and <laughs> feel like I'm interrupting their day. But the lesson I took from it, it was an interesting thing that they did the day before. The day before they had a whole session and the one thing that they taught was attitude maintenance and pretty much the idea was um you're gonna go door to door and you're gonna get so many no's you need some way to keep your spirits up keep your motivation up so what you should do is find um, a specific book or a song that keeps you motivated and you know have it with you so that as you face all this rejection 
you can turn to it and you can be encouraged to go on. And cool. although I didn't necessarily use it right there in the day, it's something that stuck with me for everything going forward in the sense that um, to be effective at networking, job applications, auditing your skill, all this stuff, to do everything, you need some way of maintaining your attitude to keep it at a positive level. And having those things that are encouragements to you are are very, very critical. You don't necessarily need them with you on your person right at the moment as you're doing that to yeah. pull it out. But to have that after, to know how to do that, it's, it's, a, it's a key skill that goes along well with all of it. For sure. I think that's very important. And uh, I was chatting with someone on the importance of self-care. So that's, this is what it reminds me of in the sense of like having a book or a song or something that, that, that energizes you throughout the day. Because unfortunately, your, your energy reserves get depleted like a battery, <laughs> that sort of thing. But if you put on that song, then maybe your battery recharges back to uh, like past low power mode or whatever. And then yeah, the power save and then, yeah, power save mode, that sort of thing. And then uh, like then it drains back down to the, the yellow and then you uh i don't know eat your favorite food or talk to a family member or do something that energizes you and then it goes back up and then and then it depletes again that sort of thing so uh adding that that self-care uh portion i think is super helpful uh and and i'm reminded of a quote where it says something along the lines of uh most of the time we don't do too much we do too little of what lights us up so if we have yeah. those constant reminders of those little things that light us up then we can kind of keep going uh as well and I'd love if you chat a little bit about, okay, as we kind of look ahead, um, what, what about being aware of, of what else is out there? Because you might be in business, in technology, in uh, whatever you're, you're in. Should we be looking around to other areas or should we be sticking to our, our niche? And, and what about all the change? Because change is inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> what about managing those things as well? Well, yeah, right now is an interesting time, actually. I, I would say generally across a lot of like global labor markets as well um, in Canada and Ontario in particular, because we're here, we are facing serious labor shortages in certain fields. Um, mm -hmm. The medical field has major shortages. Um, some of the other, um, other services as well, actually, for the most part, we generally have across the poor, lots of organizations that are desperately looking for people to fill all sorts of roles. Uh, and pretty much the main challenge with it is one, not everybody's thinking about those roles or not everybody's thinking about those areas as areas that they would necessarily want to jump into off the bat. I know um, in government side, it, it is a conversation that there's a challenge of attracting new talent. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the organization workforce currently are in some form of um, acute labor shortage or needing for people to come in and needing uh, people to be interested in the occupation. But for a lot of people, when people think of jobs of the future, they think of, yes, the um, software engineer fields. They think of that as being a big growing area that everybody goes for. Um, they do think of some of the sales fields as well as an area. They, the trades are always hurting for people. Um, if you're a more tactile person, that area always is uh, looking for um, more people to come in. So I think the, I think we're in an interesting transition point. My optimistic side of me goes towards thinking um, we're gonna be in a stage where 
there might be nearly too much opportunity. You might not know what to <laughs> choose from to go. Um, okay. I know it might not seem like that now, but it, it's we're in the middle of a lot of interesting trends that are happening. Uh, demographically, we're going to have an aging population that's going to be stepping out of the workforce and stepping out of the workforce in all levels of organizations, um, from junior to senior management, from even mm. line work. It's just the way the population chart goes. That's what's going to happen. And I don't know yet, um, and I don't think most people know yet, what that's going to impact for presenting opportunities and all the jobs right. that will just become oh my gosh, this was critical for a society to run. I know there's the obvious of healthcare, um, which we're in desperate need of uh, more nurses and doctors. But along with that, there's all these supporting elements to allow uh, healthcare to work. There's healthcare mm -hmm. informatics, uh, for example, which is uh, doing all the data analysis, building all the networks and the systems that enable uh, patient, patient care to happen. That includes process reengineering, uh, lean project management, all that stuff. There's the financial aspect of it. How do we finance this entire thing? Uh, the HR aspect and also learning and development aspects. So even if you're not a um, RN, uh, a nurse practitioner, a doctor, that doesn't strike your fancy. There's all these other roles that are also healthcare related, but aren't necessarily what we think of as healthcare. So I think there's going to be a lot of interesting new opportunities coming out. And I think it's going to be about um, or the race will be how or who can position themselves to acquire the skills and acquire the right combination of skills. And then the stepping part after that is who is going to keep themselves mentally in the game long enough to realize all that growth potential. For sure. What I took from that is, I mean, there are so many uh, industries, companies uh, that, that, are, that are looking for folks, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes whatever area that you're uh, in may not be like the hot commodity of, of the day, that sort of thing. But oftentimes your skills are, are uh, good enough where you can transition into uh, something else. What, what comes to mind is kind of like the, the start of COVID, like hospitality just took a nosedive, yeah. right? Because nobody was allowed out. But uh, supply chain was like uh, up the roof because everybody needed their packages delivered and things like that, right? The, the movement of goods needed to still happen, right? So um, now could you retool yourself and move over to that? Well, uh, a wait staff being like an uh, Amazon warehouse picker, well, I mean, like they're, they're, they're not that different from each other, but they're very different from each other. Right? So yeah, uh, it, it's one of those things where if you actually look between the lines, you probably are skilled with a lot of things, as, as you kind of mentioned with like the, well, you're not a doctor, but I can do like data stuff uh i'm not a nurse but i can do like administration of something right mm -hmm. uh, so so there's all sorts of different opportunities so i, I, I what i'm taking from that is uh just be more open-minded so in addition to to uh knowing yourself be open-minded to what could your fundamental skill set not necessarily just what your title uh needs to be in, in the future so i think uh that's great and and uh as as we start to close off the, this episode because I think there's tons more that we could talk about building oh, yes. your skill sets. Uh, just to summarize uh, in, in, in a little bit, uh, at one is to kind of plan your strategy. Like, well, what is it that you actually want to learn? And then do a bit of an audit, note yourself to um, see where you are so that you can figure out where, how far you need to go. And then the last bit is actually to go ahead and, and pick a uh, skill to learn 
having lots of conversation, expanding your network uh, as a result, and thinking more broadly about uh, where that your skills could be applied uh, in the future or, or right now. So any other uh, stuff I wish I knew earlier or, or comments that you would want to share about uh, building your skills uh, during an economic downturn or, or just all the time, actually? Just all the time. Uh, I think um, beyond that, just uh, stay curious. That, that is where I would go with it. If I could come up with an overarching thing and just stay curious, look for opportunity um, because you miss 100% of the chances you don't take. For sure. Yeah. Good old uh, Wayne Gretzky quote uh, thrown yeah. in there. Um, and yeah, stay curious. Take on the, the, the skill of, of being a lifelong learner and always constantly uh, adjusting yourself, reinventing yourself. It doesn't have to be a full reinvention. It could be just a small tweak. Yeah. Learn something new each day. Uh, and and that following that curiosity could be super helpful. So uh, thanks, Michael, for, for sharing yeah. your insights. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back in a future episode. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.